You're listening to the Write Project podcast and radio program, a show about writing and modern Newfoundland author culture. This program is produced and recorded at CHMR-FM 93.5 FM in St. John's, Newfoundland and Labrador, and is aired on other great stations in the province and elsewhere in the country. It can also be heard online at www.chmr.ca. I'm your host, Matthew LeDrew. We are back on with, with John Hass. This is his second time on the show, but there's a good reason. He's got a new book out. Uh, he was one of the authors on Dystopia from the Rock earlier this year. He has a fantasy or a fun fantasy book called The Reluctant Barbarian Out, kind of a um, parody fantasy. But now there is a sequel, if I'm not mistaken, to The Reluctant Barbarian called The Wayward Spider. Is that correct? That is correct. It's, a, it's a very loose sequel. It's uh, in the same world, but with uh, a bunch of new characters. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, I, I really enjoy it when people do that, when it's the same setting, the same world, but different protagonists, different stuff like that. That can make uh, something very interesting. Yeah, yeah, I tried to go for something a little bit different, and it is a planned trilogy. And in the third book, which uh, I don't have a release date for yet, but in the third book, the characters from the first and the second actually come together. Oh, okay. So you form you form the uh, Barbar Avengers or whatever. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, the Barbar Avengers. Yeah. Okay. So tell me about the Wayward Spider because I really enjoyed the Reluctant Barbarian. Your description of it, the the what I've read of it, it was really good. So tell Thank me you. about this new story because I'm I'm very interested. Okay. Excellent. Uh, so the Wayward Spider is about the main character's name is Spider. So, um, and uh, he's wayward. Got, <laughs> he is. He is. He's at. He's at odds with himself. He is. Uh, everything in his world has suddenly finished because his father's passed away, and they were uh, they were thieves and traitors together, and now all of a sudden, everything in his world is suddenly gone, and he's kind of at ends because his entire future is ahead of him. And his past is behind him, but his present is kind of up for grabs. That so is, that is, you're describing looking. time, John. You're describing time. <laughs> exactly, exactly. The same for all of us, right? Yeah. So he is looking for what he wants to do in his life, and he's got ideas. He wants to be a thief, and he wants to be the best at what he want, at what he's going to do. But circumstances keep coming along and pushing him in other directions. So he he gets saddled with this um, this magic user that he has to basically babysit um, because the guy, he's very young, but he's got this innate ability with chaos magic where he can just cast a spell without memorizing it, without thinking about it. He can just do it, but it doesn't always work out right. So he needs somebody to babysit him and the magic order wants him to just be out of the city before he destroys it accidentally oh, i see all right yeah, yeah. That's so lot. that's uh that's one of the side things that uh distracts him distracts spider from what he really wants to do okay all right sounds good uh so there was a lot of 
borderline parody, not really parody, but like you, you oh, handled yeah. it very seriously, but like the situations in the reluctant barbarian, just even the title, like the reluctant barbarian is kind of lends itself to, um, humor, let's say. Yeah. Uh, so if this is the same world, is it continuing that tone? Is it a different tone? It What's is. going on? Yeah, it, it is. It still has very much that, uh, dry sense of humor that um, hopefully makes you laugh out loud. I've had a couple people say that they have. Um, that's definitely my my aim. But at the same time, I want the characters to... for you to feel that they're real characters, not just, oh, ha-ha, they're the funny character, but that you can actually care about them and care what happens to them. And you know that when they're in danger, it really is danger. That makes sense. For them, yeah. Yeah, well, for them, absolutely. You don't want it to be dangerous for the reader. That'd be hard to do. Right. Like, you could, like, carve <laughs> out the book and have a knife pop out at page, like, eight at them or something like that. But it'd be <laughs> difficult, like. Uh, I'll work on that for one of the future books. The, the ebook will be even worse. You'll have to have it, like, download a virus when it gets to that page or something. <laughs> It'll be horrible. I wonder if we'll ever get that level of interactivity. Like, there's some... This is off topic, but there are some uh, games, usually indie games, because it's a bit of a, yeah. you know, gross thing to do, really, but uh, it's, it's always kind of interesting. But there are a few indie games that do a very surface-level hack of your computer when you install them. Like, there was one game that I was playing, and it... You were in this creepy facility where they were monitoring other people. Like, you were basically in, like, this facility, and they had cameras in every home across... At, in the time, America, but, say, Canada. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and so it was playing random video, from, like, on this big screen of monitors. But every so often, it would access a random video from your computer and play it your oh. video so oh. it would just sh now that wasn't be i assume that wasn't being transmitted to the game designers but it was like just like a green screen and they would put on a video from your computer so you'd be watching this feed of the people they're monitoring and it's meant to creep you out and then all of a sudden it comes up with you and it's or your face or your loved one and you go wait what what just happened and it didn't announce that it was going to do that like there was no permissions or anything like that Oh, boy. Yeah, which yeah, is interesting. I wonder if we'll ever get to the point where, like, the ebooks, someone tries that, where there's a bit of code where it's, like, the way, like, Spider meets up with, and you just insert name of reader there, like, however they're logged into their Kindle. Yeah, yeah, I like that. That's an interesting idea. Uh, I wonder if we will get there. That Probably. 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 If somebody has thought about it, yeah. It'd be if really good for children's it, books. Do it. Those those customizable kids' books yeah. where it's like, John goes on an adventure, you know? <laughs> but yeah. I, I would absolutely use it for nefarious purposes. I would I would be an arse about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Not nefarious as in, like, truly evil, but nefarious as in, like, it wouldn't be the main character. It'd be like... Ever, the idiot side character would always be the, the reader or something. Yeah, you gotta, gotta have fun with it. Oh, yeah, gotta have fun. 
Uh, so you've been blowing up a lot since uh, since I was talking to you last. We see we we had nothing to do with it, but I will take credit. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you've uh, you've well, last time we'd spoken, you'd already been in the Writers of the Future uh, collection from L. Ron Hubbard. Right. But you've uh, you've been doing a lot since. I've been seeing uh, interviews on like TV and media and stuff like that about you. Uh, give us an update. What's been going on? Yeah, uh, a few of those interviews actually came because of Writers of the Future. I went on one before I went to California, and then they set up another one once I came back with, um, with um, oh my gosh, Black. Um, oh my God, I'm t- totally drawing a blank on his name. Uh, he has the radio show here, and um, great show. Just, it was a lot of fun. Um and of course, on that great show that was show a lot of fun. We'll leave it at that. Appearance. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. It's it's still early here. No problem. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I uh, was doing that. I've uh, I've had a couple of um, uh, outside blogs that I've done and uh, and video uh, things that I that I've done. Also, a lot of these have been for. Um, Raiders of the Future, they've got a lot of um, back, um, uh, background in, in getting all this um, publicity out there for each of the people, which is which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, definitely increased my, uh, my, what's the word I'm looking for? The amount of people who are actually knowing who I am. That's good. Your, um, your yeah. awareness. The aw- yeah, yeah. people's aware your Name profile. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, the Wayward Spider that actually came out uh, September thirtieth, so it's still pretty new. So if you've been on Amazon recently, uh, people listening, then uh, and you've you've been checking yes. out the different authors, you might not have seen it depending on how recently you were there, but it is there now. If you want to go check it out. Uh, it's reasonably priced on there. It's a good length of a book, so definitely check it out. John Hass, uh, in your experience, in your mind, uh, what's the most unethical practice in the publishing industry right now? Oh, um, that's a very good one because we're seeing a lot, specifically here in Ottawa, with uh, cheesing press uh, where... The- they were not paying their authors, and they were. Um, the, there's uh, re- uh, reports of uh, harassment and abuse to their authors. Oh wow! Um, yeah, it, it's really blown up online. Um, it's an interesting story to see, and it's if you weren't in the middle of it, you didn't necessarily see it either. But now that you now now that I'm looking at it, I'm like, oh, I should have seen. I should have known more. I should have realized. Anyway, um, unethical, uh, yeah. Not paying authors sounds like pretty unethical, yeah. I I would say so. I mean, there's lots of presses out there that are, they're up front, and it's like, yes, this is uh, unpaid. And, I mean, you're upfront about it, that's fine, but if you say... Or, or someone, you're a very you're small better. press and we're trying, but, you know, it's a risk. You let the author know that there's a risk involved. Absolutely, absolutely. And they, they, I, I've had a couple of stories published in anthologies that have said, if this makes money, you'll get royalties. Yeah. And, and I'm like, okay, okay, 
Good enough. Yep. Which is fair. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it, and that is a great place for people who are starting out who maybe don't have a publishing credit yet. So it, it gives them an opportunity. It gives them a place. They, they may have the talent, just not the, the name recognition yet. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. John Hass, what are common traps or pitfalls for aspiring authors? What are mistakes that aspiring authors make in your experience? Oh, good question. My, my big one was uh, trying to do something too big too fast. I decided when I, when I first started writing many, many, many years ago, I was going to skip this whole nonsense with short stories and go straight to writing a book because that's where the money was. Yep. But, <laughs> but the short stories is where you actually hone your craft. You, you, you figure out what you're doing wrong and what you need to improve. And it's not so heartbreaking when you have to abandon a, you know, a 20-page story as it is when you abandon an entire book. So now this book that I started out with is sitting in a drawer and it's uh, it's got some okay stuff to it, but it's definitely not publishable. Gotcha. There's also this weird, like a lot of the, so with the authors that are making some money that I know, there's a, there's a divide. There's ones that are making their money from novels and those ones are doing okay. But there's also yeah. a growing contingent of ones that are just writing, like, have this catalog of short stories that they're sending out to every uh, venue that's open for short stories. Like, if they take reprints and they just got this massive spreadsheet of, like, the one that you wrote for us. What, sorry, what was the name of the one that you wrote for Dystopia? Uh, Rude World. Rude World, I thought so. Yeah, so that one Rude World that you wrote for us... Uh, you might have that on a spreadsheet now, and you might be like yeah. sending it out any time that there's a story call for submissions that fits that genre, uh, especially one that pays. But even if it's not one that pays, just to keep your name out there, keep it on search history, stuff like that, and you're just yeah. sending it out as long as they're not asking for exclusive forever rights, so that way, because then you couldn't sell it anymore, just send, send, send. And if you keep writing short fiction then you can get a catalog of stories that you're doing this with and make a little side income. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I do do that. I've got all my short stories that I, um, that I send out. I've got some that are, that are as yet unpublished. And then I've got the ones that I, that would be reprints. Um, and I do send them out. If something, if it fits something, I'm like, Oh, Hey, how about this one? Um, and in the meantime, I'm working on on the books that I work on. And in between books, I'll do a short story or two as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I always have something that pops into my head, and I'm like, "Oh, I've got to, I've got to do that one next time I have some time." Cool. If you could tell your younger writing self any one thing, what would that be? I would say, get started. Get started, don't waste time, just get to it. Yep. I wasted a lot of time walking around telling people I was a writer um, instead of actually doing the writing and just showing Oh, you were a lit fiction writer. author. That's nice. 
Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Yeah. So I would I would I would go back, I'd smack myself in the back of the head and say, Look, you can do this, but get started. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's fair. Get you know, nose to the grindstone. If you if you want an easy gig where you just kinda of go into parties and say you're a writer, that's not what this is. No. Cool. John Hass, what's the best money you ever spent on your craft, on your writing career? Oh, best money. Oh, that's a good... Mm-hmm. Uh, here in Ottawa, every year, there's a, uh, a conference called CanCon. It's for um, Canadian content in, in genre fiction. So uh, fantasy, science fiction, horror, romance, uh, mystery. And... Uh, we, we come together, and so for one entire weekend, Friday night to Sunday night, we come and we, we listen to uh, panels, and we, we meet published authors who are actually making money doing what we love, and we're, we're learning about it, and we're, we're meeting uh, publishers and agents and uh, people that we might not necessarily have a chance to meet otherwise and it, and it's a fairly fairly cheap for an entire weekend it's like uh, 50 bucks kind of thing for for an entire weekend and i i've yeah oh it's great and i've met great people there and i've learned so much there so i, I would say that's probably at least one of the best things that i've spent my money on it's the first thing that came to my mind anyway John Hass, what did you do with the first money you ever made as an author? I think I paid some bills with it. That's first... super exciting. <laughs> the first thing I ever published, I, I, I won a contest in Money Sense magazine about how I got out of debt. And I sent that in, and I won, I believe, second place which which paid off pretty well and then they through phone calls they improved my my essay so that it was still mine but you know not entirely mine but the story was mine but the words were not necessarily so i uh i took that money and i'm sure i must have put it onto bills and car payment and all that fun stuff sure yeah of course yeah (laughs) all right uh, John Hass, what was an early experience where you learned that words, that language, could have power? Oh, I like that. I like that question. It was back in high school. This would have been the first time I wrote something that other people got to see. Um, up to then, I just kept it to myself. And um, so my friend was in the drama classes, and, and she was saying, oh, my God, we need to do this horror kind of skit for, oh, no, it was horror, horror Halloween because it was between the two holidays. So it needs to be a kind of a horror Halloween kind of thing. And I thought, okay, well, I'll, I'll do this up for you. So I wrote up this quick play, probably about five pages. I gave it to them. And then the drama teacher said, oh, bring him. I want, I want to meet him, and I want him to see this skit put on. So I did, and I, I got to see it put on, and, and I was sitting there in the, in the audience thinking, that's my story up there being acted out. 
So the power to, of the words, it was actually on me that I was like, wow, um, this is, this is real. This is, this is something I created. And then the power of, um, you know, the teacher and the other students and everything saying like, I like that one. That, that was a good one. That was a good story. Good. So, yeah. In your experience, uh, what are the most important magazines or, you know, semi-regular publications or even uh, even um, mailing lists for writers to subscribe to? Oh, um, I, way back in the beginning, or in the beginning when I was getting serious, I... Not the beginning of time. To... No, no, no. No, that, that's a different story. Okay. Um, back when you're getting serious... <laughs> Back when I was getting serious, I subscribed to uh, Writer's Digest magazine, okay, which had a lot of good articles. And I didn't keep every issue, but I would keep particular articles from each magazine, and I'd put them into a binder of things that I was like, okay, this is this is relevant to me. This is something that I'm going to need to keep my eye on, kind of thing, while I'm writing. So that that was one that. That was one that hit me as being useful. I imagine there are other ones like it out there, but that was the one that I found first. Writer's Digest really is really popular. I'm actually reading a book that was published through them uh, right now. Um, I was interested in the... I'm, I'm not terribly interested in writing it, but I like knowing as much as I can about different genres. So it was a book right. on writing romance, actually, called uh, Write Naked. Uh, oh. But it was through Writer's Digest, and uh, and she was talking about in the foreword the publication a lot and what it meant to her and, and other writers and stuff like that. So I feel you with that answer, absolutely. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, this is a bit more esoteric. Uh, John Hass, how do you balance making demands of the reader with taking care of the reader? Oh. Yeah. That is esoteric. Very nice. So, um, like, there are, there are authors that, uh, like, there are authors that will explain things to the reader, and that's kind of taking care of them, and then there are the authors that go, no, figure it out. Yeah, I... It, it's a balancing act. Um, I don't... I don't want to spell everything out to the person. No. To the reader. I want them to figure things out for themselves. Like my story in the Writers of the Future anthology, there, there's one particular point, and I won't say what it is in there, but there's a particular point in there that at the end of the story, you're like, was that what I think it was? But I never tell you. I let you figure it out for yourself. Yep. Um, now, the editor... Uh, David Farland, when when he was working with me, he said, "I think you should let the writer know, the the reader know." And I th and I thought about it for a while, and I came back to him and I said, "I I don't think so." And here's why. And he said, "Okay, it's your story. You backed it up. Fine, let's go with it." Yeah. And and he went with what I wanted originally, which was which was very cool. That is cool. It's good when an editor can be um, reasonable like that. Yeah, 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 and he he was great. He was 
uh, a fantastic editor. As a writer, what would you choose as your mascot or avatar, whatever you want to call it? <laughs> I love raccoons. I like the cartoon. I don't know why I know? Well, yeah, I kind of remember that cartoon. That was a good cartoon. cartoon. <laughs> anyway, yes, you like raccoons. It's a piece, of, <laughs> piece of Canadian history there. Yes. Um, yes, I, I like raccoons. I, I just I find them cute and fun, and I know that they've got probably all got rabies, but they I I I just I find them adorable. They are. And, they I, are I think cute. There's something about. Yeah, and they've got those little thumbs, right? So they can actually pick things up and do stuff. And I don't know. I no. I always say I want a pet raccoon, but I'm not entirely sure that that would be a good idea. No, and I always wonder with a with an animal like a raccoon. Like honestly, when you when you get feral cats or you get wild dogs, they behave pretty much the same way as raccoons. And I'm sitting there kind of scratching my head like, I wonder if they would be much nicer if we'd chosen to domesticate them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. wonder. Although, uh, I've been reading more and more that, um, apparently domestication was, uh, they, they think now was on the part of the cats and dogs. Like, they, they, they chose us, not the other way around. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's, that tracks. I can't get my cat to do anything, so why, why would I think I could have domesticated this small tiger? Yeah. 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 Yeah, they just, they just let us with them. Well, to their, like, almost parasitic, like, to their benefit, you know what I mean? Like, I'll act cute for you, you feed me, and I don't have to hunt. Like, it's a good system. <laughs> Everybody agrees? Okay, this is what we're gonna go with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What do you owe the real people upon whom you base your characters? That question kind of assumes that you base your characters on real people, but I believe from a previous interview that you do. Uh, some of them. Some of them, definitely. Um, there, there's always a little bit of me in one of the characters in my book, at least. There's you in every um, character. You're the writer. Yeah, yeah. So, like, write what you know, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Well, I, it's I the thing of, like... In there. It's, it's like the thing of, like, I, I do this experiment with young writers sometimes, where it's like, try to imagine something that a human couldn't imagine. Right. And you can't, because by definition, you've you've messed yourself up, you know? Yeah, that's like the sound of one hand clapping. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. But yeah, so uh, if you base um, characters on, uh, on real people, uh, what, if anything, do you feel like you owe them or that, uh, that you want to say to them? Well, when it comes to... Uh, the one that comes to my mind is the character... Mike in The Reluctant Barbarian, who was based on my, my best friend growing up, Mike. And um, I, I was thinking of him when I was writing it. He, he was in my mind, and yes, I was, I was like, yes, that's, that's Mike. And then when I did the book launch, I turned around, and there he was. And I was like, I based this character on you, <laughs> as I think the first thing I said to him. And he was like, oh, okay, cool cool and then he read the book and he was happy with it which i was very glad about 
because it could have gone badly. Uh, I mean, he wasn't an unflattering character, but I mean, you never know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Okay. How many unpublished or half-finished books do you have? Oh, let's see. I've got a horror novel, which is that one that I was talking about earlier, which was um, uh, the first thing that I ever wrote instead of doing short stories. I went straight to doing this book. So that one is definitely unpublished, and deservedly so. I did a very short How to Get Out of Debt book after I was published in Money Sense magazine many, many years ago. Interesting. And that one never really went anywhere either. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, two. Okay. Two, two um, books and probably about ten short stories, maybe fifteen, that are as yet unpublished. John Hess, do you ever Google yourself? Oh, it's been a while. <clears throat> um, I had googled myself in the past but more recently my two kids have googled me oh. and they'll come home and they'll be like hey we googled you today at school and and you're the number one um john has author that pops up <laughs> yeah of course of course <laughs> all right uh, yeah. thanks very oh, much for coming oh. on the right project podcast again john oh my pleasure my pleasure oh and that person's name i couldn't remember it's D- Dylan Black. Dylan Black. Okay. Wonderful. <laughs> All right. Well, I will insert that in. Uh, thank you again for coming on the Right Project podcast. And uh, I hope everyone checks out The Reluctant Barbarian and its sequel, The Wayward Spider. Please do. All right. Well, thanks for coming on again. For all of you, we'll be here again next week at 4.30 Newfoundland time or online at chmr.ca. Please tune in and we'll talk more about writing culture in Newfoundland.